0: So we're going to continue right into where we left off last week. We kicked off a brand new series called Trust Issues. Who was here last week? Amen. If you are here last week, we hope that you were blessed. But I want to open up with the verse that we read, which was in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit your paths to him, or in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths Straight. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go to our Revive Colleen YouTube and check out the message. I break down each part of this verse on what it really means to trust in God. See, this passage is familiar to many, and it's one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. And what often happens when something becomes familiar to us, we just gloss over it. It could be leaders that are in the room. It could be uh, lifetime members of, of, of a church. It could be just you coming into the walk of God. Uh, A lot of times you've heard these things of trust in the Lord, but because of circumstances, we kind of just gloss over it. That there's a difference of knowing that I'm trusting in God than actually believing that I'm trusting God. And I'm going to break that down here in a little bit towards the end of the message. But there's something that happens when I fully trust in God. He says that when I submit everything to Him, He will make my paths straight. So the meaning of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 through 6 has some incredible truth that can challenge us in our life and in our faith. We spoke last week how trust is believing in the integrity of others. That building trust means that you feel secure in your interactions and relationships are able to be open and vulnerable with others. But when people harm you and betray your trust, your feeling of security can be shattered, and you start to expect from the worst from others, and and become suspicious and skeptical. And this lack of trust, commonly referred to as having trust issues, can be very harmful to your mental health and your relationships with others and even in your leadership. So we we're going to keep going with this series trust issues and I'm going to preach uh, from a title uh, called Granted but Guarded. Write that down. Granted but Guarded. Now, in Proverbs chapter 4:23 and we'll pray here in a moment, it says, "Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do." What does it say? Flows from it. I'm gonna read it one more time. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, I want to open up there as well. And it says, if you don't have it, we'll have it here on the screens. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, once wisdom is properly valued, both the ear and mind are captivated by it. Verse 2 says, applying your heart. When we talk about the heart, it commonly refers to the mind as the center of thinking and reason, but also includes the emotions, the will, the whole inner being. The heart is the depository of all wisdom and the source of whatever affects speech, sight, and conduct. That's why it's hard to sometimes trust in something when you have a heart issue. Sometimes it's hard to to continue trusting something when you feel like, You've been hurt within your heart. And these first five scriptures are like a prayer. In fact, it is what we should all pray. For a person to really be able to live a godly life, you must first know what God expects. And the first sentence says, accept my words. The heart is the place for the commandments and the word of God to be hidden. And if we receive it into our being, the wisdom of God, and apply it to our heart, we will do the things that are right in God's sight. It says in Romans 10.10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Let's pray just for a moment as we enter into the rest of the sermon. But Father, we thank you once again for letting us gather today. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us here safely. We thank you for those that are online watching, those that are in the room in this moment. Father, we just ask you that you speak tonight, that you receive all the honor, all the glory, Lord, that people recognize, Lord Jesus, things that they have to release from their hearts in order to put their trust in you. And Father, we just ask you, Lord Jesus, that people walk away not the way they walked in and receive what they've been praying for, hoping for, and believing for. In Jesus' name. Come on, we all say? Amen, amen. amen. Now, in the New Kings James Version, uh, I like the, the, the translation where it says, keep your heart with all diligence. So, We heard guard your heart, but in this one it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Now, supreme importance, top priority, above everything else I just told you, write it in your notes, guard your heart. See, everyone knows that the heart is a vital organ. We cannot live without our hearts. However, when you get right down to it, the heart is just a pump. It's a complex and an important one, yes, but still it's just a pump. See, a pump is a device that moves fluid and as with all other pumps it can become clogged and break down and need repair. See that's why what you allow through it will determine the way the rest of your body will function. So if, if I'm eating things that is is an extreme high cholesterol or, or high sodium then what happens? I start developing hypertension hyper blood pressure. I start putting pressure on the veins and on my heart and, and my heart starts working harder. and then all of a sudden you can get clogged. All these, all these things start happening because of what I allow in is the way the rest of my Body is going to function. It's a simple principle, right? But in the same way, what I allow in my life, what I allow to hurt me, what I allow to stop me from what God's asked me to do can stop the way what God has in store for me in moving forward. What have I allowed in my mind to think that has stunted me and stopped me from moving forward? Why is or why is this so critical that we know how the heart works? With a little knowledge about your heart and what is, what is good or bad for it, you can significantly reduce your risk of heart failure. So what does it mean to guard your heart? In the Old Testament, the word heart is used more than 800 times. But more than 200 times it deals with one's thought life or their, their thought process. It, it, the emotions, the wellsprings of life, those things that motivate and mold us. The Bible calls that the heart. I'm going to call it today the thought life. Why is the thought life so important? Why did Solomon tell his son, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life, because the thought life controls the rest of your life. If you tell me what you think, I'll tell you who you are and the life you live. What you think is what you are, the thought life controls you. You may have heard that before. But Proverbs 23:7 in the New Kings James Version says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. See, your thoughts, positive, negative, good or bad, control your attitudes. Your attitudes are the sum total of your thoughts. Your attitudes lead to your actions. That's why some of us, we can't worship God because we're thinking of something that's impending. We're thinking of something that may have hurt us. We're thinking of something that that may be out of order. and, and, And we're unable to go beyond that and take a moment to worship God because I'm thinking and I just don't feel like it in this moment. The Bible says what you think of is who you are. So if I continue to think on these things, then that's eventually what it's going to be. As parents, if I'm thinking that my child is doing something wrong, I'm going to continue thinking that and it's just going to get inside of me. And for some of us that are discerning and we're prophets of God, we could be like, no, I know what it is that you're doing, son or daughter. right?" But a lot of times we can start thinking so many things that we end up assuming things, speculating things, and hurt ourselves in the process. And God is saying, why are you thinking on that so much? For what you thinketh is who you are, so is he. See, your thoughts control your actions. All good psychologists will tell you that someone once said, so a thought... Reap a deed, sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Before you can do a thing, you have to think it. Your thoughts lead to attitudes, and attitudes lead to actions, and actions lead to those achievements. It all begins with a thought life. Your achievements will be the sum total of your thoughts. This is so fundamental that God destroyed an entire civilization because they had heart trouble. Genesis six five. It says the Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And God said, "The thoughts of their heart are so evil. I'm going to have to destroy them." And He sent the flood because of the thoughts of men's hearts. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human hearts. We're still having the same problem they had. Do the following questions give you pause for the condition? of the heart. I ask, what lies do I believe about myself or the world around me? And how is that affecting my relationship with God? What sins or bad habits in my life are weighing me down from a higher moral conduct? What behaviors or habits do I know to be right and yet avoid or ignore? Am I selfishly trying to find physical or emotional fulfillment through my relationships? See, uh, there's a story in the Bible that A lot of kids are told about it, but uh, how many remember Samson, right? Samson and Delilah, I'm not going to get so far into it, but there's one verse I want to read out of it, which was Judges chapter 16, verse 17, and he says that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. See, Samson is one of the most recognizable of the judges who ruled over Israel before the time of the kings. He was a Nazirite, yet broke many rules of the Nazarite vow. God gifted Samson with incredible strength, but he lost his strength when Delilah betrayed him to the Philistines, who blinded and enslaved him. And at the end of his life, God restored Samson's strength. But see, if Samson had guarded his heart, Delilah wouldn't have weakened him. Had Samson guarded his heart with the breastplate of righteousness that Paul talked about, he would have continued to be productive in Israel. But in the heat of the passion and the weariness of his life, Samson told all his heart to her. What a tragedy. Samson's weakness caused him to pollute his heart with lust and loneliness and gave it to someone other than God. How do then I guard my heart. I want to give you three points for you to take home today, something practical for you to understand on how do I guard my heart. The first one is, there are some things you only give to God. There are some things you only give to God. I I like another version of there's There are some things you give to no one but God. And in a social media world that we live in today, where we want everyone to know what we're doing. I do it. I share a little something, right? We utilize it. Sometimes we post things just so we can prove that we're doing something. You know what I'm saying? That's what we do at the gym. You know what I'm saying? You're like, dude, you don't even look like you go. You know what I'm saying? Working hard. Really? You're working hard? You know, with my kids. We know you're with your kids. You raise your kids. I do it. I do it too. I'm with you. But what I'm saying is that because that's just what we're programmed in today's age, we want to let everybody know what we're doing. God gives us a thought, and a lot of times we share it immediately. God just told me this. God just said this. And the things is, as many of us, we have given our hearts to people, to careers, and to ideals, which is not a God idea, then we're shocked when these persons or things betray their heartfelt investment. Always reserve the deepest and innermost portion of your heart and trust for God. If you can live a life where you save, and you or let me say save, where you put your innermost deep self and trust into God, nothing will hurt you. You're like, well, that's easier said than done. But the fact is, is because of who I put my trust in, then I know that if I submit all my ways to him, remember last week what we said, if I've given him everything, even the things that no one knows, even the dreams that no one, or that people even laughed at, whatever it may be, if I submit all my ways to him, it says the promise is he will make my paths straight. Meaning that in my own way of thinking, in my own way of trusting, in my own way of trying to plan certain things out, my path looks like this. But the reality is when I give all All to him, God says, I straighten you in the direction I want you to go. And so there's some things that you don't give to no one else but God. You know so beautiful about that? Is knowing that God is speaking to me, but you don't need to know that God's speaking to me. That God's allowing us to discern some things, but you don't need to know that I'm discerning certain things. That's for me. That's for what God's doing within me. There's things that I've asked God to mold in my life. So there's some things that I will not tell no one else to, but only God. See, divine peace is one of the greatest security systems you can use to guard your heart. And God wants your heart for himself It was the basis of your original union with him. God didn't appeal to your intellect. He asked for faith. The enemy despises your heart because it is with your heart that you believe unto righteousness. We read early in Romans, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, this peace is born out of prayer. It causes you to trust what you cannot trace. It leads you to only rely on the character of God. A character cannot be proven. It must be believed. Nothing you read will replace the personal experience that evolves from prayer and praise and from time spent learning to know the God your heart has believed. So you can come here and profess God, but you have to take this home and do the same. It is between you and God. How how am I speaking to God? My wife and I, we go through this a lot of times, even in, in, in what we've been tasked to do here in this house, is a lot of times I can respond in the way I want to respond or in the way that I understand, and we have to check ourselves and go, Lord, I haven't even prayed to you yet. Father, this is how we feel. Father, this is what we're doing. Father, this is the direction we want to go. Father, is this what you want? Reveal it, open the door, close the door, do this, do that. Well, we're, that's part of having a relationship with God. And when you have that, that means you're putting your trust in God and you're allowing him to speak to you and he gives you that divine peace. So there are some things you only give to God. The second one, it starts with knowing by faith. See, there's a realm of faith that supersedes believing, and that is the realm of knowing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I mean, just listen to the first part of that verse. It's acknowledging that I'm going through pain right now. It's acknowledging that I'm suffering something right now. It's acknowledging that I'm going maybe through an injustice. I'm going through something that brought pain to my heart. But it says, nevertheless, even though I'm going through this, I know in whom I've believed. I know what he is capable of doing, and because of that, I've committed to him until the day I die. See, you believe with your heart, and the process begins. And finally, your faith graduates through life's experience into a confidence called knowing. See, Satan wants to stop the process because he knows that the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Guard your heart because there may be a Samson in you that the enemy wants to destroy. See, when you lose your peace and become anxious and worried, you may make radical decisions that open up the door for a demonic attack and turmoil, and this allows the enemy to suggest threats of impending danger and leave you terrified and shaken, causing you to lose the guard that would preserve you in a storm. Don't. Give up the peace of God. Peace empowers you to go through a test without the test going through you. You may lose things, but if you keep your peace, you can regain them again. See, I was, I was talking this past week with someone at my job, in my secular job, and we were having a, a struggle with a person. That, that shows a lot of anxiety in the middle of of pressurized situations, and, and the thing is, is this person on a third now occasion popped off crying and screaming in the front of a customer, in front of the peers, in front, and we're just like, oh my God, it's it's it, it, for the company, it's an embarrassment because you're like, what is wrong with your people? Like they're a little out of control because the pressure was so strong, the person's anxiety lifted up, and and, and so that what was happening is 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 once we got out of that situation, now we have to talk about it, and we're just like, hey, what what How do we deal with this very thing? And this person is what you would call, maybe psychologists know this, starts trauma dumping. You know those kind of people that let you know that they have anxiety issues so you can feel sorry for them and justify their behavior? Have you seen that? Or it's like, I've been through this, I went through this, that's why I act like this. I've been through this. And you're like, oh. So what happens is those kind of people, you're always walking around eggshells around. Like, do I make sure I say, oh, man, we're done. They're done. They're over. They're over. And it's a tough thing to deal with a person that's like that with high anxiety. It's very, very tough. And so we're talking through this as a leadership team. And and one of the people were like, we have to understand that in today's time, uh, this is something that's very highly talked about. And I remember I stepped in because a lot of the stuff that I lead, I I lead always with what God's placed in my heart. and, And the things that I've learned in church and outside of church, in life and inside of a work life. And I'm sitting there talking. I say, hey, man, I agree with you, man. I agree completely with you. I said today, in today's day, mental health is something that is highly, highly esteemed. What I mean by that is that everyone will tell you they have mental health issues before a doctor actually tells you. That they'll actually say to them, I'm highly, I have anxiety issues and there's nothing wrong with that. I applaud someone that's up front and forward with a condition that they're going through in order to get the help that they need. And I remember before, no one would want to talk about these things. They'll keep it quiet and private. And the reason they'll keep it quiet and private because they're ashamed of it or, or they don't want people to look at them in a different light or in a different way. And so no one understood that someone was going through what today would be called a mental health issue or, or high anxiety. And so, so no one would want to talk about it. But today, today people are proud to talk about it. Not everybody. It's a blanket statement, but the reality is, people will tell you upfront, "I have anxiety issues." Oh, whoa, hey, my name's Andres. Right, and, and, and they'll have that condition. And I remember thinking to myself right there, spiritually, I didn't say it out loud, but I was thinking in the same way. God, I declare in Jesus' name that if someone is so upfront about their condition that they'll be upfront of who they need to go to for the healing. That no more the excuse of this is just the way I am. That literally I'm going to submit my health to you, God. I have problems too. And who do I go to if not Jesus, who I trust in with my whole heart? It says submit all your ways, your anxiety ways, your troubled ways, all your trust issues, submit it to God. He says he will make what looks crooked, what a doctor said is wrong, what you may have to take a pill for to make it straight. And he says, I heal you. I'm the one who created you. By my stripes you have been healed. And how is it that today, a day where we've been able to walk away from church, walk away from position, walk away from different callings that God has placed in us because of a condition and God is saying, it's time to submit it to me. I'm the one who can bring healing. I'm the one who can bring restoration. I Gotta be careful with that because I don't want to offend somebody that might have it. But have you thought it in a perspective of Lord it's time to renew my mind. See, we've grown up in church or we've been having years in church and we gloss over these promises that God says there's yes and amen. If he says I'm more than a conqueror, am I living my life out like more than a conqueror? If he says I am a royal priesthood, am I living like if I am royalty? If he says I am the son of God, do I walk out the way it is to show that I am a son of God? I have access to him and because I have access to him, he guards my heart. He guards things inside of me. He guards my call and he says I have you. I'm molding you i'm protecting you i'm mold i'm I'm getting things prepared and i'm about to release and launch you out into this world this was not meant to stay in these walls this was meant to go out and let people know about my name know what he's done in my life so glad you're listening to our podcast and we're believing it'll bless your life and our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of christ if you want to join this mission and want to get today We will be so grateful, and you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivekilleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. I was like, man, I, I would wish in the same breath someone says they have a problem that they say, who's the solution? It starts with knowing by faith. Cause I could believe by faith, I showed up today. But when I step outside of these doors, these doors, when it gets tough, knowing by faith is saying everything I learned today. I know that God will provide. I know that when I receive bad news, I know He has me in His hands. That when things are difficult, I know. It's knowing. And a lot of us as believers, we tend to blame the enemy for everything. And the enemy sitting on the sidelines going, it's not me. It's the season. It's how I respond to what's been told to me. That if I'm told something that's negative, or I'm told something that I know could hurt me, how I respond invites the enemy in. And so if I'm sitting there going, Lord, you are in control. Lord, your word says that in all things you will work it out for my good. Lord, you say when I trust in you, even though maybe it's hard to understand what's happening, it's hard to understand what may happen, whatever, it's hard, Lord. I I can't because it says not with my understanding because my understanding gets me into trouble. It says trust in the Lord with All of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of who you are, submit all your ways to Him, and He will make your paths straight in church and outside of church, in ministry and outside of ministry. We're not the enemy here, it's the season. And what season is God ushering you into right now in your life? That a lot of times we tend to say the enemy's attacking. The enemy's not attacking, God's molding you. God's doing certain things within your life. God's just pruning you. God's removing some things, saying maybe you're not ready now. But when you're done through this process, oh, the world's about to see my glory and all that I've done in this place. It is the season. I'm not going to allow it to be the enemy. It's the season. That's the realm of knowing. Well, I know, God, you're in control. The third one, and final one that I have for you, prayer releases God's peace. How do I guard my heart? Prayer. I came in here Wednesday with a heavy heart. But when we started praying and we started worshiping, Pastor Albita gave such a powerful word in a moment. Where she said, who is sitting on the throne? Is it you sitting in your understanding or are you allowing him to sit? Because I'm not expanding the kingdom of God. He is. I'm just a vessel. And, and I thought to myself, Lord, oh man, I received such a peace that night. Thank you, Pastor Albita, for obeying what God's placed in me. I felt such a peace. I like, got, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Prayer releases God's peace. If you're going to be a praying person, don't give up the peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, God's peace will guard your heart. mind. It will cause you to pick out what thoughts you will entertain. See, Samson entertained Delilah and she infiltrated his heart and took his secrets. See, avoid entertaining thoughts that will destroy your peace. Whenever I catch myself rehearsing problems over and over, I know I'm entertaining those problems. They will cut my hair of anointing if I don't abort them. Prayer releases God's peace. It's saying, God, as I'm going through it, I'm going through it with you. You give me the peace. You give me the understanding. You hold all things together. Prayer releases God's peace. See, I'm notorious for being an overthinker. Is there any other overthinkers in the room? So I rehearse my problems over and over and over because I'm trying to figure certain things out. And as the more I think about it and think, I got this from my dad, it's his fault, the more I think and think and think and think. But we're thinkers, we're readers too. We love to read. So there's constant, what we can get caught up in thinking something that all of a sudden you've created a full story in your mind that you end up believing. And then now you're believing a story that no one else has heard of ever in their life. You start speaking about it and people are looking at you crazy going, what is wrong with you? Why do you act like, why are you feeling that way? And you're like, no, 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 this is who I am. And no, no, that's not God, who, how he created you to be. It's because you've created stories in your mind that you, that that failed you from listening and trusting in God. And we start believing certain things and we're starting to go like, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. This is what they're going to, this is how to, this, and we're going, and, I, and I'm an overthinker. When we're about to make a decision, a big decision, I'm thinking through it, I'm just like, but I just said is the number two is that there's there's a there's a greater level of faith when there's a faith of knowing i remember my wife and i when we when we bought our house when we bought our house the house that we actually like we built the house we were able to pick the brick color and all that stuff and but we were in, a, situ- we were in a, a circumstance during that time where, where I, I didn't have a job. I, I had lost my job. I got laid off three times in a row. It was tough. Everything that we had, our savings was flushed out. I remember having a tough time that, that because of that things that we had to prioritize which credit we were going to allow to take a hit. So my credit dropped to a low number. And I remember going, man, in our minds we were going, we're going to buy a house and things were getting worse. And I remember looking at my wife, and this was like 11 years ago, and I said, babe, I just, man, we're not going to get approved. Babe, we're not going to do this. Babe, we're not going to do this. And my wife, she's a a woman of faith. My wife is very, very, I mean, she does, she would be the one in the front marching around Jericho. Like, let's go. We're on number three. Why are you tired? That's my wife. I'll be like, it's not going to fall. They're not going I'll be the one looking at the Man, that, those bricks are tough. Look at them. They put uh, this side of the wall's not going to fall. This is too. Do you see how fortified it is? I'll be causing indifference. I'll be like, you see that? Like, yeah, you're right, Pastor Andres. I know. Keep believing. But you got to have that person in the front that knows. Like, I know these walls will fall. Like, I I know because God promised it. He says we will make it to the promised land, and this is in the way. So because this is the way, God's about to remove it. And as I'm thinking through things going, oh, we're not going to be qualified. We're not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to have a sustainable, sustained, sus- an income that's, that's sustainable. I'm, I'm having all these uh, thoughts, th- and I'm just going like that. My wife went in the room, and she said, babe, it's never going to happen if we don't put action to our faith. I could believe for a job and say, God, give me a job. But if I'm sleeping in every day and don't apply, it's probably not going to happen. I can believe for success and money and all these things that, God, you're going to give it to me one day. But if I don't get up and put a plan together and actually put it out in process, it's probably never going to happen. The Bible says that when you're faithful with the little, then he opens up access for the much. So as I'm sitting here overthinking, going, we're comfortable where we're at. It's going to be okay. My wife said, no, start packing. It's time she went to the land where we live today and started walking around the walls of Jericho by herself. I'm sitting here at home trying to figure it out. Like click, 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 click. I'm trying. Does it is it gonna work? And she's over here by faith. So I know it's going to happen. I claim this land's gonna be mine. I'm gonna do it. Oh, they're gonna tell me I'm declined, but I'm guarding my heart. No, because I know in who I put my trust in. You still gotta put things in order though. Right? My realty people. You still, it's just not going to, there's not going to be a bank that says, you know what? They got a credit score 400, but we see something in them that no, I don't know what it is. Approve them for half a million. Just do it. We show the history has 98 late payments. It's okay. That's what we want to hear from a preacher. Today is your day. You're gonna be approved. No, get your stuff in order so you can get approved. And I remember, I was like, so we stepped in and she goes, "Let's go in there." We sit down and we talk to the lady, and she and I'm already like my heart's hurting because of the decline. I know it's gonna be declined. And the guy said, "You know what? Let's do this. It takes eight months to build this house. That means you have eight months." to get pre-approved eight months to put things in order eight months to get your credit where it needs to be and we're we're going to be like this that on the final month you get the approval you need the man wanted my money but he had more faith than I did and he was like you want to put down the earnest money right now for the lot and I said yes and Marie was like do it I feel it, do it. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. And I put it down. He goes, all right, let's go. Go put sold on the thing. Sold, it doesn't even belong to me yet. You're holding my money. I don't own it yet. It's not mine. I still don't owe it. I'm still paying the bank. And I remember putting, and we took a picture. We were like. And Maria's like, what confidence. like, this is mine. I declared it. And we started a process. We started putting things together. It wasn't until three days before the closing date that the bank said, approved. You know, the anxiety that I had for eight months to walk up to a house that I still don't know yet if it's going to be mine, that I'm watching it get built, that I went and picked and said, this is not correct. And and they put you through that little process of circling things that are, I I did all that still without pre-approval oh, this is good for preaching because I was already approved, right? That's good. It just makes sense to say it that way. But I had to put things in order. And a lot of us, we get affected from having faith, and we fail to guard our hearts because we don't put things in order. And we can't believe past our circumstance. We can't believe past what we're facing and going through. We can't believe and and our heart is hurt, and then we become bitter. And when you're bitter... to be around you. Become difficult. And God is saying you didn't guard your heart. See, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When God gets ready, to change someone. How does he do it? By changing how they think. God changes the thought process. What Solomon said to his son was, son, guard, protect, and be careful of your thought life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to present our bodies to him, including our minds, that he might transform us. So, you know, one of the double battles for the mind, how important that we learn to keep our hearts, because a fierce battle is raging for the control of your mind. When God is in the heart, then we think right. We live right. We do right. When God is absent, we think wrong. We live wrong. We do wrong. Be careful what comes into your mind. You have to think pure thoughts. And now a text without context is just a pretext so context is important and in this passage Solomon is talking about specifically the sexual affairs of a young man Solomon is warning his son about having impure and moral thoughts in his heart and life but let me tell you something wonderful God made you where you can't think two things at one time so how do you keep from thinking what's wrong you think what's right And if you're thinking what's right, you cannot be thinking what's wrong. It's another way of saying just load up on my word. Get my word inside of your heart. Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? He says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. So, how are you going to think pure thoughts? I think your positive thoughts. I'm not thinking about flowers and birds and trees and the beach; those are all beautiful things. But what the mighty word of God says—Hebrews four twelve says—for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges The thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We have to get it in our heart. It has the power to cleanse and keep you from your thought life. And through your thought life, God wants to minister to you. A God-controlled life will govern your speech. It will guard your sight. It will guide your steps. And if you want to know what is in your heart, just listen to what escapes out your mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. when your mind is clear and right with God when you think the thoughts of Christ after him when you have the mind of Christ when you're being transformed by the word of God and the power of God and the spirit of God in your thought life then you're going to be doing the will of God see God has a plan for you a wonderful plan the book of Proverbs shows you his plan for having wealth health, and wisdom. It begins in your thought life. See, access is granted when I profess his name and believe it in my heart. It's granted for me to trust again, but now with a guarded heart. See, guarding your heart means that we are continually making sure our heart and our head align. It means that what we know to be true is what's setting the direction of our heart. Our heart and our head tend to drift apart if left unchecked. What we know to be true in our head won't be what we actually live out in our lives. That's why guarding your heart is important. Guarding your heart is something you need to do daily. The reality is our hearts don't just drift, they are under attack. And whether you realize it or not, there's a battle going on for your heart. You are constantly getting bombarded with messages that run contrary to the gospel, that are trying to erode your faith and walk away from God. That's why guarding your heart is so pivotal for you to do. Guarding your heart means that you're making sure your heart is living out what the gospel says it's true. It is the news about who Jesus Christ is, what he has done, and how that changes everything for all of us. The gospel or the good news about Jesus is the best and most important news you will ever hear. So I want to trust in a God that sees the best in me that says there's greatness inside of me, not for my glory, but for his. So as we move forward with all the issues that we have, with trust issues that we have, God is saying today, I need you to guard your heart because everything you do flows from Some of us, we got to let go of some things. We got to release some things. Some of us, we got to forgive, even when they don't deserve it. Some of us, we have to get back to trusting again and saying, God, I know you have my best. I I, I left to my own understanding. God is tugging on our hearts today, asking us to make a choice a choice that brings fruitfulness because of his faithfulness that shows and reflects his goodness, his peace. I'm going to trust in you, God. You know, my dad, my grandfather passed away last week. And for my dad specifically, his side of the family, they're not as united as maybe my mom's side of the family. It's a lot of history of stuff that probably most of them don't even remember why they're mad at each other. And I remember preaching last week about trusting in God. And he's preaching about trusting in God, and, and in the same level that we're, we're, we're trying to encourage you to make the right decision, we have to believe it too. We have to walk it out too. And I said, God, I trust in you that when my father arrives, he could be a light. I trust in you for my mother's healing. I trust in you, God, that you will do what you promised you would do in this house. And even if I don't see it in the moment, even if I can't trace the path it's on, I still choose to trust in you. And because of that, I say, I know in who I believe. And I know that he will work it out for my good. Because I love him because he loves me. And he loves you. And he sees you, he created you for a purpose for a time as this. For a now, not a later. For in the moment, not for another moment. He's called you for right now. And there's things that you have inside of you, dreams that are inside of you. There's things that you felt were dead or they're broken. And God is saying, I'm bringing them back to life. You will be impacted by his love. Impacted by his grace. Impacted with peace in order to walk out what God's placed inside of you. And I'm believing it. For me, for my family, and for my church family. If we could all stand to our feet as we close. Father, we just come to you in this moment, giving you thanks. For your faithfulness. Father, for your promises that are yes and amen. Just ask you that as you've touched our hearts today. We're able to release anything that's been trying to break it. Anything that we've maybe allowed it to be broken right now in the state that we're in. We just ask you, Lord, that you begin to heal. That you begin to restore. That you begin to rise up of faith within your people. To trust in you. And that through that trust, Lord, we're able to guard our hearts with the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, that we're able to hold ourselves and our head up high knowing that because I trust in you, you will make our path straight. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for not forgetting about us. We thank you, Lord, for this moment. We thank you, Lord, for your peace. The peace that transcends surpasses my understanding. Lord, we grab hold of your word, and we place it in our heart, a word that is alive and active. And when I eat of your word, when I consume of your word, when I read and believe your word, Father, I become alive and active. And I believe that right now for each person in this room and at the sound of my voice. So know that it's not over. It's the beginning when I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name.